Inside Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. And welcome to the November 9th edition of the Owl Chat Podcast's Midweek Update. It is Sports Equinox time. We've got football to talk about. We've got basketball to talk about. We've got some baseball news to talk about. Plenty of signees from sports across the Kennesaw State Athletics world. I am joined, as always, by my co-host and partner, Mr. John Finer. John, how are we doing this week? It's signing day. (laughs) It sure is. It sure is. Um, we had a basketball game last night, um, as of this recording, um, that is last night. And then we got a football game this weekend to talk about. Um, so we're going to get right into it with the flyover, unless you got anything else to throw in, John. No, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the basketball game. Um, not sure how much we really learn, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Fantastic. So we're going to start with soccer per usual. Obviously, the season is over, but it is signing day for soccer. And we've got a few different signees. We've got uh, Isabella Stevens, who is a midfielder from North Cobb High School. Um, She signs. She played her club ball at Concord Fire, which is in Brookhaven, a club I used to play against way back in my playing days. Um, Ava Bradford, a midfielder out of McKinney, Texas. Uh, We reported on her commitment a few months ago, I believe. Um, Angelina, I'm going to do my best to get this name right. Noor Burhest. Uh, forward out of Walden High School, another local product. And then Phoebe Scott out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Um, moving on to golf. Both men's and women's golf have concluded their fall season, so nothing at all to talk about there. Uh, then moving to tennis, women's tennis participated at the Stetson Hidden Duel Tournament, but the internet is completely devoid of results from the event. Nothing on Twitter, no third-party websites, nothing from Stetson themselves, nothing from uh, KSUOwls.com. So can't tell you what happened there but uh, we will keep you posted if we do find anything out. Um, The men's tennis team played at the Wofford Invitational in Spartanburg and won a total of 18 singles matches and three doubles matches, um, and they are done until January. So fun stuff out of tennis, golf, and soccer. Um, Moving on to softball, we've got a few commitments. Uh, Trinity uh, Nowicki, a position player from White House, Ohio, signs. Uh, Danielle Bailey, an infielder and utility player from Etowah High School, right down the road in Cobb County, also signs. And then finally, Miss Jenna Chase, a pitcher from Fishers, Indiana, comes all the way down to Kennesaw, Georgia, to join the Owls. Uh, moving on to lacrosse, we've got a few more signees in that sport. Uh, Miss Lexi Tinker is an attacker from Mill Creek High School, another local product. And then Aria Hannon is an attacker from Hillgrove High School. Both of them sign on. Um, John, throwing it over to you. Talk to us about some volleyball. Well, first, before we get to volleyball, I want to take a stab at that name. Um, Angelina Norbehesht. That's that's my on-record guess, so I guess we'll figure this out uh, by next season. Hopefully um, she gives us a reason to get her right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Get on the field, score a goal, and you know we'll find out at that very moment. Um, so, yeah, we do have some uh, volleyball news. And also, before we get into that again, I just want to emphasize that we're recording this in the middle of signing day on uh, Wednesday. So there will be other, you know, signees announced all throughout the day and all throughout the week. So I implore you to check out uh, KSUOwls.com and their Twitter account. They tweet stuff out as soon as it happens. Um, of course, if there's anything major, such as a decommit or any big surprises, you know, Kai and I will have it on our accounts as well and make that very known. And we'll cover that next week. Um, on the volleyball front, uh, they split the weekend on the road, losing to undefeated FGCU uh, 1-3 and then beat Stetson 3-2 after coming back from down two sets. The Owls have clinched a playoff berth 
uh, with two matches left in the season, including one of them against last place Queens. So that's at least, uh, hopefully, at least one more win. And then we host uh, Bell Bellerman to end the season. I believe that's at home, which would be a, a battle for the seeding. So, you know, we'll probably finish somewhere between, you know, three and six, seven, maybe eight if everything goes drastically wrong. Uh, but yeah, if things are looking good for volleyball. Uh, wrestling quickly, uh, KSU alum Braun Breaker defeated Von Wagner on Tuesday night on NXT. Uh, baseball news, we got some signings coming in. Um, we're pro probably expecting quite a, a bit more than this, but we do have four announced so far, either from the official account or tweeted out confirmation from personal accounts that they're planning to sign with Kennesaw State. Ethan Osada, a 6'7 right-handed pitcher from River Ridge in Woodstock, I saw is official. Uh, Pete Jezerinek, uh, 6'2 lefty from Kennesaw Mountain, he tweeted out that he was planning to sign. Same with Tyler Bayer, a two-way player from South Forsyth High School. And Jackson Bradfield, an outfielder from Cherokee High School, he is official. Um, I went to a baseball exhibition, uh, Kennesaw State against UGA in Athens this past weekend on Sunday. The Owls lost 12-4. to um, The game was actually 12 innings long, um, but was 5-3 uh, UGA after nine innings. Uh, KSU had some arms hurt and shut down, so we only dressed nine, and uh, they took advantage of our third string catcher uh, in the 11th inning, and things got uh, very much out of control, um, so we put him on the mound. Uh, didn't go too well. He was throwing about 83-84. Um, freshman Caden Brown, uh, true freshman, hit a no-doubter and also hit one to the track. He showed off his strength. Uh, just monster power there. That kid has a lot of potential. And I posted all the unofficial stats on my Twitter page. I believe it was Sunday night sometime. So feel free to check that out if you're interested in seeing how everybody did. Um, but yeah, that'll be the last scrimmage before, you know, the season starts. Um, on the women's basketball front, um, I, I kind of don't want to talk about it. Uh, the opener versus Vanderbilt, it was but ugly, like, from the jump, it was like, you know, 6-4 or something like that. Next thing you know, it's like 31-8. to eight. You know, poor spacing on offense, poor transition defense, poor rotation, didn't take care of the ball, you name it. Um, the Owls just need to flush this one. Um, I'm, You know, Vanderbilt, I think, was picked to finish last in the SEC. But for KSU's sake, I hope they, you know, do quite a bit better than that. Um, you know, it's way too early to make any decisions. You know, we have we don't have our point guard, Imani Johnson, anymore. People have to get used to each other. They have to grow and they have to learn. And, you know, starting out against a power five is a big ask. Uh, but with that being said, it was still a poor performance any way you slice it. Luckily, we will be playing a non-D1 uh, game coming up, I believe, on the 10th. And we play our first mid-major on Tuesday at Georgia State, which I think will be a much better measuring stick to see where we are at right now. Um, we just, you know, we need to see better, you know, better point guard play from Lily Willis. I think she had five turnovers taking care of it. Um, you know, better play in the post. Um, just, you know, all I, I saw coach uh, Octavia Blue just basically put everybody out there from time to time. Pretty much everyone got, you know, some sort of playing time, really just testing the waters, especially when the game was already over after the first quarter. So, again, needs to be better. Um, got some news. Uh, Art Ekman passed away this weekend. Uh, Art was a uh, longtime fixture in the broadcasting community and was with KSU uh, for quite a while. Um, Art joined Kennesaw State after more than four decades in broadcasting. Most recognized for, this is from KSUowls.com, by the way. 
Art is most recognized for being the voice of ESPN's coverage of Supercross and Motocross. He served as an assistant athletics director for media relations and a special assistant to the athletics director at KSU from 2009 to 2016. He was the first sideline radio broadcaster for KSU football and played a big role in helping that uh, that It's Our Time documentary that, at, that aired many years ago on Comcast Sports. Um, and other sad news, Carl Torbush passed away. If you're wondering if that name sounds familiar or who that is, he was East Tennessee State's uh, head coach who brought their program back from the dead in 2015. The reason why I'm talking about an East Tennessee State coach on a Kennesaw podcast is because both schools were linked together in 2015 as both brought either started up or brought back football at the same time. So there were huge parallels between the programs and they played each other twice in the first two years. So um, that's why I'm mentioning this. I just wanted to you know, pay a little bit of respect to Coach Torbush. Um, but as in the words of, uh, you know, Nick Parada, perhaps a, that's enough East Tennessee State uh, for the podcast here. And we'll move on to some additional football news. Um, I got uh, feedback from a uh, regular listener of ours. He goes by TMAP. He comments on our stuff all the time on Twitter. We appreciate him listening. Um, he gave us some notes on our uh, Monday podcast about the uh, Sam Houston game. He gave a few bullets. First, a total lack of a, kip- a kicking game has cost us at least two games this year. He says, Murphy, a few big plays aside, has been awful in the new offense. Calls his own number on 80% of option plays, makes the wrong read at least 50% of the time, and it's a horrible passer. Any warm body upgrade at QB helps tremendously next year. Uh, a little rough, but, uh, you know, we definitely do need to upgrade that position. That's that's my take or my add-on to T-Mac. T-Mac says, the lack of depth on defense has worn us down in the second half of games all year. Uh, that takes care of itself next year. In general, the defense gives me optimism for next year. I agree, T-Mac. But honestly, from T-Mac, but honestly, I really am very optimistic for next year. Not to be great, but to be competitive. We aren't very far away, especially with the transfer portal. People don't remember how tough Sam Houston has played some decent programs this year. And that kind of echoes what I heard in the Brian Bohannon presser from Coach Bo. So I don't know if that's, you know, Bo being honest or a little bit of copium. It might be a little bit of both. You know, got to keep the uh, the vibes positive, And I appreciate that. Uh, but we kind of discussed that on Monday. You know, how real was this close game? Is it cause for optimism? And apparently it is working. And, you know, um, I think people are feeling a little bit better. Um, myself included, even though I said, you know, you can't really take too, too much from it. Um, right, right. And some additional notes, um, I have confirmed that Connor Cummins is graduating and will not return. So, uh, you know, everybody lay off the kicker for a little while. Um, everyone calm down, jump off the ledge. We'll get some new kickers in next year, I promise. Jump off the ledge. I think you used oh. that wrong. <laughs> oh, man, don't jump, jump off, off the, the ledge. ledge. Well, I was I was thinking about this year. And when I when I did jump off the ledge, luckily, I live on the first floor. Um, no, that's, that's actually a lie, but it was good for the joke. Um, I can, conf- but, uh, as far as Bohannon, uh, goes, you know, from the presser, I know Kai has some notes on this as well, but I'll just kind of leave my takeaways. It's not really anything groundbreaking. We haven't heard before De- quote. There was definitely improvement quote. Offensively, we're making strides, uh, quote, not able to make plays like we need to though, uh, quote, left guys wide open, but couldn't get the ball to them. Uh, Bo on the dumb penalty. Uh, apparently one of our players walked over and looked over the top of him or of him being the other player on the other team. It is what it is. So Bo did not sound happy about that, but again, you know, it's not worth getting fined or suspended over, you know, this season. Um, 
perhaps if the circumstances were different, I might disagree with that. But uh, right now, no. And Bo, I mentioned earlier, Bo does not think we're as far back as some may think. So, uh, yeah, what, what were your takeaways, Kai? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it was nothing groundbreaking. It was nothing that hasn't been said before. Um, I like how he emphasized just this week being about the seniors, because that's what it is at this point. You know, this game doesn't mean a whole lot to any people. You just you're going to sell a few tickets. You're going to get guys, you know, their recognition and you're going to win this game. Um, I like how he addressed the phantom penalties. He was not, you know, (laughs) scared to. Yeah, scared to stay away from that. It ended up probably being the difference in the game. Um, I think there was that uh, was it a blindside block or a chop block that was called on the third and one that set us back to third and 16. And Bo was like, oh, you look at the film and it's just not there. It didn't happen. Um, So, yeah, there there was some weird stuff going on. And that was definitely uh, working against our favor. Um, but yeah, you can already start to feel his mood shifting towards next season and just be, you know, ready to be done with this year, which is how we all feel. Um, so I have no issue with that. I don't feel like we're going to overlook Virginia Lynchburg. Um, we'll talk about them in a second, but you know, yeah, but Bo basically said as much, like we're, you know, we're ready for next season. He basically came came out and said that without like saying that. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Which I am totally okay with, you know, if we were playing, um, an FCS opponent or a rival, you know, and we were like five and six and we weren't making the transition, then this would not be a press conference you felt good about. But I think we as fans uh, feel okay and we're all feeling the same way. Let's, you know, get the hell out of 2023 and set our sights on Conference USA. We can start feeling good about these things again. You know, we're uh, we're FBS now um, or after this week. So that's what I took from it. Let's all stay on the ledge, everybody. That's the that's the key point of this presser. Stay on the ledge. Um, but yeah, uh, phantom penalties, that's coach speak for bullshit penalties. Um, but luckily we at the owl chat podcast can say that cause we won't get fined. Um, and, uh, you know, I did want to have Kai preview Lynchburg, you know, how do they, you know, do you think they're stronger than Lincoln? What can we expect? Yeah. Last, uh, team preview of the year. Uh, it's been fun to put these together. Virginia Lynchburg, like Lincoln doesn't have a whole lot on them, but credit to their, um, athletics department or, you know, the one guy who runs everything. I'm not exactly sure how they do it, um, but they do post their schedule and they do post their stats. So it was much easier to find. Um, so this year they're two and eight with wins over Fort Lauderdale university in a blowout, um, of the NCCAA. I believe that stands for national Christian college athletic association, um, we've played a few teams in basketball from that classification in years past, but, um, you know, not NAIA or NCAA. Um, and then D2 uh, Lane College, they won 45 to 40 against uh, actually a pretty decent win for their program. Um, in their five FCS games so far, uh, their best showing has been a 48 to 17 loss um, at Presbyterian. Uh, their quarterback is a kid named CJ Brooks. He's been QB one for most of the year. I think there has only been like five completions that haven't been to his name. Um, he's completed 50% of his passes, which is not great, and has an even five touchdowns to five interceptions on the year. Um, on the ground, to put it nicely, they are completely incompetent. As a team, they average 1.2 yards per carry and don't have a single 100-yard rusher on the year. Um, so our D-line should have a field day and hopefully force a few fumbles. Um, offensively, their best weapons are a kid named Jason. I'm going to try really hard to get this right, Mr. Jason Skirigione is a wide receiver. There are a lot of vowels in that name, so bear with me. And then Kendrick Turner, um, who have both combined for more receptions than the rest of the team um, with 15 to the rest of the team's 13. So uh, I would put them a 
small tick above Lincoln. Um, they're a little bit different in how they operate. Lincoln was unable to move the ball through the air and relied on, you know, Otis Wea in the backfield to get them up and down the field when they moved the ball at all. Um, Virginia Lynchburg cannot run the ball at all. Um, they, uh, when they do move the ball, it's through the air. So, you know, I think we're going to see a few more picks from this, uh, this promising secondary that we've seen all year. It should be an easy win should be a chance to get the seniors, their recognition and, uh, go into 2024 on a high note. Is this a trap game of any nature to the point of where we will struggle in the first half to where it might be even a game? I think second half. I think absolute worst case, um, this is a one or two possession game at halftime. Uh, I don't think Virginia Lynchburg is going to be able to get out of their own way. I, I think it's going to be a real challenge um, for them to, you know, keep a lead. Uh, we're going to have more size than them. We're going to be faster than them. We're going to be stronger than them. If it is close at half, we're going to uh, be more athletic and more conditioned than they are, and we're going to run away with it in the second half. I don't see this in any way, shape, or form being a trap game. Um, Presbyterian's a pretty bad team, and they were able to 30-piece them. Um, I don't feel bad about this one at all. Um, and, you know, if we do win this game in similar fashion to the Lincoln game, we come out and it's like 30 to 14. Uh, it's whatever. You know, we got the win. We go home. We can forget about the season forever. So that's the that's the mood on this one. Yeah, I just hope our guys, you know, the only way we can lose is if we beat ourselves or even keep it close. Like if our guys are just checked out and want the season to be over with and, you know, you know, look ahead, then, you know, it could get. A little bit dicey in the first half, but yeah, we'll we'll roll them in the second half at the worst. It would take some some fluky touchdowns, some like crazy turnovers or some, you know, special teams disaster. And then, you know, maybe Virginia Lynchburg gets up by two possessions when they shouldn't be. And then we just can't move the ball on offense. That is the only fathomable way where we lose this game. Um, and I don't think that's going to happen. So feel OK about this one, guys. Yeah. I don't either, but that's enough uh, football. Uh, we got basketball news. Um, it. I posted, I believe, on the KSU men's basketball Instagram, uh, Kyra Lewis, who played at Alabama under Coach Petway, bought the Owls some shoes. So they posted a picture with their new shoes on Instagram. So thank you, Kyra. Uh, men's basketball signing, guard Ricky McKenzie out of Wheeler has signed. That's the first of at least four expected uh, signees this week as of the recording of this podcast. Uh, we have some recruiting news. Braden Liu uh, has narrowed down his choices from twenty over 20 Division I schools to three, Kennesaw State, Georgia Southern, and Missouri State. Um, so hopefully Mr. Liu was watching the Georgia Southern uh, game where they lost to, what is it, Augusta um, a week or so ago. Um, but it is signing week, so hopefully this, this question of where Liu is going to commit to is answered within the next seven days. Just a side note before we continue, I want to give a shout out to uh, Mercer men's basketball for drop, dropping to uh, Clark Atlanta the other day. Great look for that program. Yes, shout out to Mercer. Um, the Our big good friends. Yes, the big mistake they made, and I, I tweeted this, you know, if you're going to schedule a non-D1 for the the first game of the season, you got to go all out and be like, get get you a crappy D1, like get you a double bagger. Right. Clark, gotta, Clark Atlanta hung with uh, Tech. Um, in an exhibition like a week ago, too. They're a solid team. Oh, yeah, but it's still a bad look anywhere you slice it. You right. know, D1 losing to a D2. I mean, it could be the D2 national champions, which is obviously much better than, you know, the bottom tier of D1, and it still could be a bad look. But, um, you know, Kennesaw State doesn't have that problem. We scheduled Oakwood, which is getting blown out by 30 points to schools like Point University. So, mm -hmm. you know, we were always going to roll them. You know, we could try stuff out, get guys' feet wet. 
we had no problems in that aspect. We went all in for the uh, for the cupcake, and I appreciate that. Right. No, I actually totally agree with you because on a resume, you know, if it ever came to mattering, let's say we're in Conference USA and we got a chance to, you know, have a two bid league. Let's say we win thirty games and drop in the conference tournament. You know, a an NAIA opponent doesn't look any worse on a resume than a D two opponent. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, know? you don't know what the school is. <laughs> it looks exactly the same. You know, um, so it doesn't matter. I'm with you. Go all out. Do what we did and win by fifty. Um, but yeah, let's talk about this game a little. Yeah, but but first, I want to say I've been a notorious uh, anti cupcake uh, anti cupcake gamer over the years. I hate it. But the I guess you know if you're going to give me one against a totally you know blowout you know, game, it's going to be the first one. Um, If you put this game, you know, a month from now, three weeks from now, I don't even want to see it. I have nothing new that I'm going to learn. You know, everybody's feet are already wet. This is the time to play the absolute worst team you can. And even when we play, uh, what's called Kaiser or Kieser next Mm -hmm. week, they almost beat FGCU five years ago. That came down to like a final possession at the end. I remember watching that. So um, FGCU is nothing special, but again, you know, that would not happen with Oakwood. Right. Kaiser's a weird school, by the way. They have like 10 campuses all across Florida. <laughs> Can't believe they hung with FGCU. Maybe um, they but have anyway. one player from each campus. <laughs> that would be one way to do it. Just get one guy from like Jacksonville, one guy from Miami. Commute to practice somewhere in like DeLand, you know, every them, week. Have them all drive into a central location in separate cars and just pay for their gas money. But don't get the <laughs> mileage. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll get their shot in the convocation center in a week. Um, but anyways, I'll start with my notes on the game. Um, so starting lineup, a um, bit of a surprise. Uh, they hit it from us till right before tip off. Um, I found out a few minutes before, um, but we went with Simeon Cottle, Quincy Adam McCoy, uh, Frank Juan Sherman, Jamel King, and Demond Robinson. Obviously, what stands out there is Cottle getting the start. Um, Burden wasn't 100%, and Petway made this very clear after the game um, that, like, you know, we're going to try and get Burden right. We're going to let him go against FSU, but he still wanted to get him his run. Obviously, Burden was in a boot for a few weeks uh, leading up to the game. Um, but that being said, uh, Cottle played really well. He shot the hell out of the ball when he had good looks. He looked like he forced a couple of shots that he shouldn't have. Um, and I think you can get away with that in a game like this. I wasn't, you know, too worried about it. Uh, Frank Juan Sherman was my biggest encouragement, um, from this game. He shot six of 10 and had 10 rebounds, 12 points, you know, quick double, double. He looks huge out there. Um, he's got great size. Uh, he's going to be a really good player for us for a long, long time. And I'm glad, glad that Petway threw him out there to start. And that is the benefit of cupcake games is you can get some of these younger guys, you know, that live experience. Um, I'm glad we did that. Um, and then we started Adam McCoya. Um, he's, I think he had a couple of starts last year, but was mainly a bench guy. Um, he played his role, didn't shoot the ball too well. But in a game like this, you know, with the way Quincy plays, being a spot-up shooter, not a guy that's going to score off the drumble or attack the basket, it's kind of, you know – game to game this isn't the opponent doesn't really matter for the style of play that adam mccoy has he's going to spot up and take his shots he was cold tonight and that's okay it's good that it came you know tonight and not in a conference game um so hopefully he picks that up i haven't lost faith in him yet he did have the worst night of the starters i think he went one of eight um he hit one three he had a couple of rebounds though which was uh nice uh jamel king looked really good he's got a really funky shooting motion i haven't seen him shoot yet but you know, it worked for him. He was three of six from three. And then DeMond Robinson had a great night going 16 and uh, 13. But, you know, against a team like Oakwood, when their tallest player is 6'4", it's hard for DeMond not to have a great night. Yeah. Um, so I don't take too much from that. Uh, what I did take away from DeMond's performance was him going two of four from three. 
and seemingly just having the green light to shoot whenever he want, which was not the case last year. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, but you know, he's 50% right now. So I don't hate it. And I think I mentioned that perhaps on the Alex Peterson podcast about how demand loves to just shoot it. And, you know, he's probably, he wants to be a guard so bad and he's getting his opportunity, but uh, yeah, great observations. Kai, I agree with pretty much all of that. Um, it was cool to get to see kids play for the first time in a non-pressure situation, uh, so to speak, at home and in front of the fans. Um, Frank Juan Sherman, double-double. RJ Johnson had eight assists, but he definitely had his freshman moments, which is expected and okay. Um, and he, you know, we'll talk about this now. He also had number six on the Sports Center top 10 for his dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's probably, you know, on a busier night, probably not ranked, but, you know, anytime you can get on Sports Center you know, congratulations. It's probably the highlight of this kid's life. So um, congratulations to him. Overall, though, it was a very positive experience. Uh, Simeon Cottle looked good. Uh, like you said, Jamel King had nice moments. I thought the offense was basically as described. It was fast-paced, man. It was run and gun. They get the ball, you go up the court. Damon Robinson shooting threes, insanity. Um, not in a bad way, but it's definitely something, you know, we're not super used to. Um, you know, I saw Ronji Gordon, who's like six, eight and Damon Robinson literally rebound the ball and bring it up the court themselves. Now, I'm not sure if that is just a, a product of Oakwood or if that's something they have the freedom to do against, you know, perhaps teams that are a little bit more athletic and longer and can poke the ball away. So we'll have to see, um, this offense definitely screams pace and, you know, freedom. Um, that's a big thing. Um, that, once come with great freedom comes great responsibility. And Coach Petway has always said, you know, it's not about me. He always says it's about, you know, it's about us and working through things with the other guys. And, you know, this is the kind of style it sounds like they want to play. So if Coach Petway is going to take the leash off a bit, you know, the guys have to kind of police themselves and, you know, realize, hey, this is going to be a good shot. That's going to be a good shot. This is not going to be a good shot. And I don't know how the offense is going to look versus a D1 team, because basically the way we played it, we pushed the pace. You know, if we had an open shot that we can shoot over the guards or wide open in transition, we just took it. Um, If we had something to the basket, we just drive at will, get a shot off. Um, We didn't shoot 50%. So we weren't super, super efficient. Some of that, you know, some of that being, you know, the second half wasn't as good, but, you know, we need to, I want to see how the guys do and how we create our offense and how we run things when we're playing real opponents. Um, What's your take on that guy? Yeah. um, It looked a little chaotic at times. If you go back and watch film from the Nate Oates offenses at Alabama, it looked a little bit similar. Obviously we're not super comfortable in it yet, but you know, the number one thing for an offense like this is you're going to need guys who are very athletic and guys can attack the basket. Um, It's not nearly as organized and as play oriented as Amir's offense was where we would have, you know, like four or five set plays that we would run 10 times a game, whether it would be the flare screens for young blood or Rogers on the elbow, um, you know, or the pick and roll with them on and, Terrell. Um, it's go, 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 go. You bring up that we shot less than 50%. Uh, the good thing is we had 77 field goal attempts, which is crazy. Um, you know, it was just run down the court, either get a quick pick and roll going or just, you know, swing it around the perimeter and get the first opening you could take. Um, I'm really excited about having RJ Johnson in this offense because he's really, really really beefy kid, really, really quick. Um, when he gets his lanes, he's going to get to the basket over and over and over again. Um, the, 
we talked about RJ Johnson a little bit and, you know, our concern when he committed was he's not a great perimeter scorer and he's not great, you know, from the mid range. And that's what we saw. Uh, he took three, two, three point attempts, missed both of them. Um, that is something that can be improved, but I was really encouraged with the way he played, um, showed no fear. That being said, you know, it was Oakwood and everybody on that team was smaller than him. So it's hard to, hard to show fear, but uh, I like the offense. I, I fear its simplicity a little bit. I think if we get out of a, a rhythm, it's going to be really hard to get back on. Um, and if we play good defensive teams, um, you know, there are going to be challenges and, you know, we are yet to see how Pitway makes adjustments. Um, so there are a lot of unknowns, but overall I was very encouraged with how we played on both sides of the ball um, on defense. Demond had one, you know, monster rejection where he sent the ball two rows back into the, the court side seats. Um, and we only gave up, 46 points, um, Oakwood or not, that's, uh, that's impressive. So, uh, I was very happy with the way we played. Yeah. And, you know, maybe we didn't game plan for Oakwood as well. Cause you know, if we did, we would just dump it down to DeMond Robinson, every single possession, if we cared and, you know, take advantage of things. So we don't know, you know, what twists and turns he's going to put into the offense for each game. What's going to be different. What's the game, I mean, you know, some games, you know, it might be better to attack some games. You take the first shot you get and play fast. I mean, We'll have to see how he how he does it game by game. Um, and I also want to point out that uh, the crowd was chanting at times, uh, we want Chuck or we want Charles for uh, mm-hmm. Charles Stone and we want uh, EJ for EJ Holland. Uh, for you wrestling fans out there, and you know I'm going to sneak a wrestling reference in there, these guys have gotten over as baby faces via the internet. Just from that one gif of Chuck Stone flexing with EJ next to him, uh, when I say they got over, that means they made themselves popular. People are invested in them. People are interested in them. They are now fan favorites. And they did that just on their own. They didn't need any fancy wrestling speech. They didn't need to do any high-flying moves. People just love them because they are them, and they are over. So um, great job, guys. They got some run at the end of the game. Uh, they wanted Chuck to score so bad, but he didn't. EJ had a nice little layup, though. Yeah, career high for uh, EJ Johnson, first career field goal. Um, and it was a nice it was a nice little layup, too. He got up there, put it off the glass, and dropped it in. Um, I will say, you kind of start to feel bad for some of the end-of-bench guys who aren't fan favorites, you know? Like, can we get a We Want Matt Brown chant next game? Because <laughs> he, he still hasn't hit a field goal in his career. Um, hopefully, that'll come against Kaiser or uh, Brescia or one of the other no-name schools we play. Um, well, Matt I'll doesn't have his own gift, though. That's the problem. Well, I mean, that's on him to create one. <laughs> yes, Matt Brown, money. if you're listening, create a GIF and, and get yourself over, man. Do It, it can happen. It can happen. I remember uh, Coastal Carolina had a player by the name of Ray Sincere a long time ago. Well, not a long time ago, probably seven or eight years ago. And he was like the ninth or tenth man on the bench. Didn't play a lot. Was not a rotation guy. And in garbage time, when they were up by 40, just threw down this nasty dunk. And it was like Sports Center, you know, number one for like a week. And uh, <laughs> I will never forget his name because of that play. So maybe we get a moment out of the out of Matt Brown like that. Um, but one more thing I wanted to talk about was the big rotation. Um, obviously, uh, DeMond held down the paint uh, whenever he was on the floor. Only played 22 minutes, but, you know, had a great stat line. Um, but, you know, we're starting to see. Uh, especially with Holt out, and we both think that Holt's going to be more of a post type of player for us. Um, Cole Larue, like if he plays this year, if he gets correct, his correct, red correct, shirt. right. But right now it's Cole Larue and Ranji Gordon. Uh, Gordon played 19 minutes. Larue played 10. Uh, most of Larue's minutes came in the first half when the game was still 
in balance, even though the game was over two minutes into it. I mean, game was over before tip off, whatever you want to say. Um, LaRue played a little better. He shot the ball well. He hit one from outside. He had seven points, um, had a couple of rebounds. Um, Gordon, to his credit, didn't turn the ball over, but looked scared to shoot. Only had two points on the year or on the game. Um, rebounded the ball pretty well. Um, but I'm intrigued to see how they go about this because obviously DeMond's going to need his breathers. He can't play 40 minutes a game. Um, LaRue looks skinnier and a little bit quicker. And uh, as I mentioned on Big Owl blog, he improved his shot greatly last year when he did play. Um, so I'm interested to see if they give LaRue some legitimate rotation time uh, this season. And this was just a rotation, you know, to get everybody to play as well. I wouldn't put too much weight into this one as, oh, yeah, our rotation is set now. You know, everybody's going to play. I mean, Agreed. for all we know, Goldaroo might not get off the bench. Ronji Gordon, who knows, might not get off the bench. I, right. I, I think they will. But um, we, I want to see, you know, it might depend on matchups. You know, how do we do against bigger teams? Like Florida State is going to probably be different than how we play against, you know, smaller teams perhaps. So right. I want to see not just who we play with each other, but how they match up. You know, who do we put on who defensively, all of that kind of all that kind of stuff. Who who gets exposed with slow feet, who can guard the post, who can rebound. There's so much stuff to learn. Right. Obviously, yeah, n- nothing, you know, rotational is something you can buy too much stock in um, from last night. I mean, Burden came off the bench, you know, and that was for injury reasons. But still, um, that being said, I don't think it's crazy to think that LaRue might have a chance to correct this rotation um, with the way things stand. Um, and I was encouraged by the way he played last night. Um so we'll see. Uh, Florida State's going to be way more telling. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we have Florida State tomorrow night, uh, Friday at, what is it, 6 o'clock Eastern in Tallahassee? It is tomorrow night as of the time this podcast goes up. Yes. Correct. Yes. Uh, it's 6 o'clock in Tallahassee. That's right. Okay. And um, I know something else you wanted to uh, talk about is how Coach Petway is elevating uh, his game as head coach. <laughs> I know Kai has something on that. Yeah, no. So I got a I got a DM from a Twitter user who's almost definitely listening, one of our more loyal um, Alchab podcast listeners, who told me that Petway was stuck in the elevator. And when I got the DM, I was like, I thought it was some weird joke. I was like, haha, what does this mean? Is this some kind of metaphor for something? And he's like, <laughs> no, literally, his wife has her hands in the air. She's screaming, and they can't get him out of the elevator. And then I look over, and you know we're warming up and he's not out there, which isn't the weirdest thing. Like Amir used to not be out there during warmups. He would stand and watch in the tunnel. You know, that's not, that's not that obscure, but you know, then team runs into the locker room, they come back out and Petway's still not there. Um, I turn over to the people next to me and I'm like, I think that elevator DM might've actually been true. Um, and then somebody from the athletic department came over and was like, y'all aren't going to believe what happened. Um, he leaves and goes and takes care of something. And then demand, uh, walks over by the scorer's table and, you know, he's talking to the TV guys and he's like, yeah, he's stuck in the elevator. And I was like, holy shit, this can't be happening. Um, I mentioned it on Twitter. Uh, it caught the attention of a lot of Alabama basketball fans. Um, <laughs> so that made waves, uh, uh, amongst their message boards and Twitter spaces and all that. Um, it was a funny moment. We got him out of the elevator game was delayed. I think 15 minutes. Um, I want to say good on the refs for actually delaying that game because, you know, it's not their fault that Petway was technically late. It wasn't Petway's fault either. It was the elevator's fault. But, you know, apparently it was uh, Dan McDonald's fault <laughs> that he yes. got trapped in the elevator um, and they were there for 40, 50 minutes. Um, not know. really Dan McDonald's fault, but we can blame <laughs> Dan McDonald. <laughs> Petway can blame Dan McDonald. Those are his words, not mine. Um, 
but yeah, it was a funny story. Nothing bad ended up happening with it. You know, he will never forget that moment. Um, just funny all around. And he said in the post-game presser that he's going to take the stairs from now on and how he usually never takes the elevator. But Dan McDonald, you know, he was up in the hospitality suite and Dan's like, hey, come catch the elevator. So he gets in there. They can't open it. And then I think they have to send the uh, fire department to, uh, you know, come get him out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of the uh, the suites, we did have a uh, banner unveiling last night. Um, not a banner raising as was advertised. It was a banner unveiling. Um, we walked in and I was talking to producer Nick about this. So I was like, Hey man, where are the, uh, where are the props to get this thing up? You know, <laughs> what's happening here. Um, and what ended up happening is they didn't raise it next to like the D2 championship banner and the volleyball banner. Uh, they just like kind of, you know, fruit roll up the banner down from up in the suites and unraveled it and then immediately took it down uh, so hopefully it'll be up there where it belongs um, in due time. Uh, that's, banner like me trying to, that's like me trying to fix things, Kai. You know, I don't actually <laughs> use nails or anything like that. Maybe just put in a thumbtack or just some glue and put something under it to hold it in place. I mean, that it seems, you know, I just rigged it. <laughs> yeah, I heard it. Yeah, well, they uh, they spelled everything right on the banner. Um, it looked good. It was gold, not black. Um, so when it does go up there, it's going to stand out, which I actually like. I think it deserves to stand out. I mean, that's the greatest season in Kennesaw State basketball history. No disrespect to the D2 championship team, but I think uh, this one means a little bit more. Um, so it, it looks good. Um, hopefully they do the right thing and actually get it up there and it's not sitting away in some closet um, collecting dust for years. But, you know, if, with if with, they do that, they will get so much shit for that. So they can't. They have to hang it up, I think. Well, I uh, I just learned recently that apparently um, up by the suites, it used to just say Division Two National Champions 2004, and uh, they took that down a while back, um, much to the distaste of a few people. So I remember that that was years ago. They started taking stuff down and like getting rid of the legacy. That's like in the back of my mind, like in the corridors from way back in the day. And I hate that. You know, I think we should respect the history of the program. Yeah, well, if it wasn't for Amir, they wouldn't have uh, put the D2 banner up um, again, according to Amir. Um, I hope that's true. Or, you know, maybe I hope that's not true. But, yeah, um, well, hopefully we get to hang another one up next year. And uh, they planned it out just a little bit better. But we'll see. So um, are you going to uh, take the elevator, you know, next time you go there? I I mean, I might do it. I haven't been in there probably in years and years and years. So I might, next time I go to the convocation center, I might take it up to the hospitality suite just to kind of, you know, see where the action was you know what i mean be like right. oh yeah dog i'm in the antoine petway elevator there here's a selfie yeah so i'll be completely honest with you i had no idea that there were elevators i have always taken the stairs in the convocation center but i guess it makes sense because it goes down below court level and then you go either two or three floors up up to the suites which i've never been up to so you know i guess it makes sense but i'll stay away make from a it. lot more money kai you gotta make a lot more <laughs> yeah. money yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah. And um, um, I said they should put, you know, they should put an escalator, you know, up there. You know what I mean? Add a couple right. of those babies. And I put on Twitter, as Mitch Hedberg says, uh, escalators don't break. They just become temporarily stairs. Exactly. 100%. You would not have had this problem. So. 100%. Uh, one more note about the game and the atmosphere. The crowd was fantastic. Um, I guess more people showed up than they were expecting, which is a great thing. Um, when we walked in there, um, only half of the upper level was open and it was the side uh, that was not on the bench side. Um, and then people started filling in. They started filling up that section. Uh, student section was packed on both sides. 
And then they're like, okay, I guess we got to lift the tarp up and just keep letting people in. Um, and the final attendance number they posted was 2,733, which was good for fifth biggest all time. Um, so all around super successful night. Uh, I'm stoked to see um, the turnout to games later this season. I don't think we're going to get, you know, near the same number for Kaiser in a week. And you can't blame people for not showing up to that game. You know, opener, you know, makes sense. Banner unveiling all that. That's cool. People want to be there. Kaiser, you can't blame people for not wanting to spend their Wednesday night on a basketball game where they know the result coming in. So, yeah. And I know I talked about this on our, I think our first podcast. Have you listened to that Weird Al song yet? The Ryer, the Kaiser? Of course. Of course. Awesome. Awesome. I knew you did. I knew you did. But, uh, you know, they gave the fifth largest attendance in Convocation Center history. Well, I don't know if that's true. I do believe the actual attendance number this time. Usually I'm like with an eye raise, like, okay, sure. Yeah, let's go with that. But I believe this one. Well, it's probably on the higher side than the lower side. I mean, it always is. They always want to look good. That being said, uh, the way I observed it was it was more than the Queens first round game last year and less than the Lipscomb game. So and I think that number falls perfectly between the two. So, you know, the Liberty game or the Lipscomb game, the Lipscomb game. Okay. I don't know exactly what the post number was for Lipscomb, but I think it was around the high 2000s and then Queens was low 2000s. So definitely less than both of the Liberty games. Those each had 3000 plus. Yeah. So, but Hey, you know, we've got some tough non-con games coming up. Um, we get Asheville in the building and we get state in the building. Hopefully students turn out for those. Um, as long as we keep winning and putting out a good product, people are going to keep coming. You know, we're on everybody's radar. Um, just keep, keep giving people a reason and we're going to be selling out night after night. You know, that, that is not that crazy to think about. If we can get 8,000 people to a football game, we can get 4,000 people to a basketball game every night. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, and we're not asking, you know, to be world beaters or playing at the same level that we ended last year at. We just need, you know, give us a good competitive product, you know, get, get a little bit better. As I think Petway said it, I'm, I'm so confused with my coach speak between all these pressers with Bohannon and Petway, you know, just, it's about the, it's about the process, you know, just get a little bit better each week, do your job and things will turn out as they should. And that's kind of what I'm looking for. So anybody expecting us to, you know, be as good as we were last March right away. Yeah. That's, that's not going to happen guys. I'm sorry. Um, Even if we brought our, all the same people back and just coach Amir was gone. Even if Coach Amir was back, we probably still would take some time to get get the kinks out. Uh, we had that we've had that problem under Amir the last three or four years, and we always started slow, then started to put it together. So, like I said, you know, just enjoy it for what it is. Um, hopefully, we can get a win against Florida State, but let's just get a little bit better every time. That's what we were hoping for football, and we're hoping it again for basketball. Right. And the good thing about the basketball process, unlike the football process, is I think it's actually going to be a lot of fun. Um, there are seven or eight guys on this team who are really, really good. Um, it's going to take time for them to gel. And we've been saying this over and over and over again. And it's going to take time for guys to figure out, you know, the offense and the defense and just how they play together. Um, but Petway said, you know, he's very lucky to start with this group. Um, he's killing it in recruiting. I think the the vision is so clear. It's go out and get athletes, go out and get guys who can get to the rim and who can shoot. I mean, the contrast and there was and nothing get winners wrong. and get yeah. winners. High character 100%. kids. 100%. Everybody seems like a great, great kid on that team. Um, but yeah, I mean, you look at what, how Amir just structured the team. It was all guards and, you know, they ran their, they ran their flare screen offense and it worked. Um, and, you know, much credit to him. And now Petway is we're going to get athletes. We're going to have four guys out there who are six, six or taller. And, you know, we're going to run, <laughs> we're going to run at you like hell. Um, 
And tonight, last night was a was a great little preview of what's hopefully to come for a long time. Yeah, and you know we've got a whole bunch of guards. You know, Cottle mentioned in his post game presser, which was like two minutes. You know how he's going to be playing quite a bit with Terrell Burden. So we kind of spilled the beans there. Not that we would think otherwise. But I think when R.J. Johnson was in the game, I think he kind of took over the point guard duties and let Cottle play off the ball, which I think is the right move with Cottle being, it seems like he's a veteran now, doesn't it? He's only a sophomore, but like, it just seems like he's a, like a older for his years. Well, he is. I mean, he's got, he's been to the NCAA tournament, which is a lot in college basketball. Um, I, I like the idea of having Burden and Cottle run the one and the two a lot this year. I think Simeon Cottle is a top five most talented player on this roster. Plus, he's got that, we'll say, veteran experience right now. I think Cottle's too good not to start or at least not to play 20 plus minutes a game. Um, so I could see Burden and Cottle running the one and two um, at some point this season and having RJ Johnson be that bench energy guy who plays a ton and can be thrown in at the one or the two um, and just give you that boost. And then, you know, when Burden graduates and, you know, Cottle gets older, it's, it's going to be, I think this is going to be RJ Johnson and Frank Juan Sherman's team in two to three years. Absolutely. Assuming they all stick around, you know, tragedy in major basketball is if guys play too well, they're gone. Absolutely. But you know what? Like Amir kept his guys loyal. You know, they followed him to South Florida. You know what? We were, I was super concerned, you know, young blood and everybody was going to just, just bail after last year you know, go to UGA or something like that, but, you know, kept them together. And, you know, I think that culture, you know, says a lot. Um, and that's what Petway is building. So I'm not too worried about that as long as, you know, as long as guys are pretty happy here and they're performing and all that, but we do need to, um, you know, keep in mind that Cotto and Burden are both pretty small. So it might depend on the matchup. If a team is exploiting it too much, we might only be able to get away with playing one of them at a time alongside RJ. So I think it's just going to dictate, you know, like I said, dictate the matchups. Right. I'm scared to see all three of them on the court at the same time. And I don't think they should all be on the court at the same time. Um, But, you know, the reality is, this is a very good problem to have. We have three guards that we really, really, really like, (laughs) you know, and then even like a freshman like Marcus Whitlock was injured and who knows what role he's going to play when he gets back. And then uh, Juson Holt, you know, is listed as a guard. We think he's going to be more of a forward post type of guy for us. But who knows? Maybe they throw him in at the two. Um, you know, lots lots and lots going on. Uh, lots to be optimistic about. Yeah. And, you know, RJ is just, like I said, he's the highest player that we brought in since Youngblood. Very similar rankings in terms of the recruiting services and all that stuff. But, you know, he's going to, you know, he's not a finished product. He's like an 18, 19-year-old right. kid. You're going to have to give him some time. You saw some growing pains last night when he passed it. You know, he got his shot blocked one time. He's going to figure out, okay, I can get away with this in high school. I can't get away with this right now, even against Oakwood. Just imagine the shock that's going to come when he plays Florida State. So there's all those kind of experiences that he needs to have. And, you know, I think we're going to see a hell of a lot of, like you said, Frank Juan Sherman and Jamel King this year, especially if Holt is not available. You know, those guys might play uh, 30 plus regularly. Right. And I think Jamel King was kind of the unsung hero from last night. He didn't get talked a lot about during the game and during the post game, but he had a really nice stat line um, and was, you know, a big presence on both sides of the floor. Um, Great size, great length, great defender. He's not afraid to shoot the ball. I think he was three of six from three. Like I said, that form looks a little wonky, but it, you know, if it It goes in, it goes in. Exactly. Yeah. I think he banked one of them in and I was like, oh boy. Um, but so did demand. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, if I were to predict the FSU game, I couldn't, um, no idea what they're going to be this year. They were not great last year, but it's an ACC opponent. 
Um, I think we have a fighter's chance in this game. Um, I would not say I would favor us to win, um, but who knows? It's early in the season for them too. You know, they're still figuring their things out. So, and I do want to read, I don't think I covered this yet. Did I, I didn't tell you what Aaron Anderson, who is KSU's all-time leading rebounder, and he's going to be joining us for basketball coverage. I believe the first one with him is going to drop on Monday to talk about the FSU game. He just gave me a few quick thoughts and text. Uh, love the effort, skilled slash athletic players. Um, would have loved to see a little bit more uh, offensive and rebounding discipline. The guards got a rebound. They can't just turn around and run to the rim. Um, so I think Petway, you know, was not too, too happy based on the post game. He sees some areas for improvement with like the defense and the rebounding. And that, uh, you know, has to get better. And Aaron also said, can't wait to see a game against a mid-major to truly gauge where we're at. And I think everybody in the world that's an Owls fan can agree with that statement. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad he brought up the guards rebounding because this is something I think we took for granted last year. Uh, guys like Chris Youngblood and Kaysen Jennings were great rebounders as guards. I mean, they were always in on the play and, you know, we were always winning the 50, 50 balls. Um, you know, guys are young. Uh, every coach is going to want to teach that. That's not an Amir thing. That's a basketball thing. Um, but you know, it's still early. Uh, it's good that Petway still sees room for improvement. That means we can only get better. Um, so I love it. I think Aaron Anderson hit the nail on the head with that one, though. Yeah, and uh, that's pretty much all I have, man. I'm just super excited for Florida State because, you know, you, you got to kind of do two things right here. You can't get too high off beating Oakwood. Um, Absolutely and, correct. And, and if things don't go well versus FSU, just like they didn't go well for the women versus Vanderbilt, you can't get too low. You know, you right. can say, okay, things went horribly, couldn't go wrong anymore, right. but it's just one game. It's just, you know, hell, we, like you said, we could very well, you know, beat Florida State. It's not out of the realm of possibility, right. um, but, you know, you know, they are an ACC team and which favors yeah. them. So it's like how deflating was, you know, getting 30 piece by San Diego State last year. Um, you know, I mean, it sucks. Yeah. It doesn't matter who the opponent is. And then San Diego State ends up going to the national title. Um, and we pulled things together and probably would have played them much tighter if it had come later in the season. So definitely too early to read into things too much. Um, I think exactly. playing FSU is uh, playing with house money. Um, I'm glad we play them. <laughs> it's going to be a fun one. Yeah. And what if, uh, what if Vanderbilt women's basketball, hell, what if they, they're a tournament team? Then I, that think we whole... should, I think we should play Vanderbilt women's basketball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think that's a good idea. I think we'd beat them. Um, let's have... <laughs> Well, I'm not Clay way. Travis or anything, but, you know, I think we'd beat them. Yeah. All right. Anyways, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up unless you got anything else to add. No, nah, man, I got I got nothing. I think we got everything and probably more than Owls fans needed. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, it's good to talk about fun things again, right? Yes. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's cross our fingers and hopefully we can have a fun podcast uh, dropping on Monday. I think Kai is not going to be on it. So uh, producer Nick is going to be pinch hitting. And again, we'll be joined by Aaron Anderson making his debut, uh, helping us out here. So again, sure. thanks to Aaron. Yep. I will uh, insert my thoughts over text or, you know, dial in or however I can, but yeah, great show. We will see you guys uh, next Monday. Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com. And be sure to join the online community of Owl fans at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, go Owls!